0: The Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Study Smart, Study Less, Improving Your Study Skills, a professional development seminar featuring adjunct professor at the University of Pennsylvania, William Wright L. Assistant Chief Academic Officer for the University of the District of Columbia, Dr. Carl Moore, and Head of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion for Siemens USA, Michelle Grant. When polled, most college students would agree that when they started college, they did not know how to properly study. In this seminar, we will address preparatory study principles such as setting goals, knowing your learning style, being an active reader, participating in study groups, organizing your notes and study materials, and writing drafts of papers. That can help all students improve their study skills and perform better. Without further ado, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Study Smart, Study Less, Improving Your Study Skills, featuring William Wright-L, Dr. Carl Moore, and Michelle Grant.
1: Share some wisdom with us about studying. And then we come to the gentleman right here. We have Cardoza High School represent, as we all know. And we'd like you to share what you t- chatted with your, um, co- your peers about. OK,
2: good afternoon. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon.
2: <laughs> so two things that I do is when I'm studying, I usually change subjects within a couple minutes so I'm not too bored by the, um, by the subject. So like every five minutes, I'll start with, say, math, and then I'll switch because it keeps my brain going and getting bored and then losing information. And then another thing I do is when I like am doing some work, um, I'll do the problems that I know, skip the ones that I don't know, and then I'll circle them, and then I go back to them and figure it out.
1: Ooh, okay. Thank you. Please give her a hand. <laughs> Cardoza. Cardoza's um, average GPA is a 4.0, the average, probably. Y'all, y'all seem like y'all No. <laughs> but these are really great strategies. And we're, we're going to hear from a gentleman right here. So. Also from Cardoza? Uh, no. OK. <laughs> oh,
4: dang. That's loud. Okay. And I'm so my name is Eddie Kundryem, and I'm from Prince George's Community College. And I talked to Portia Wiggins. and. <laughs> Uh, my problem, because I'm a two and she's a three, so I, my problem was that a lot of times I find myself doing things at, things at the last second. Like, you know, my homework gets completed, my project gets completed, but as you know, at the national deadline of 11.59 p.m., mm. and I'm out there freaking out at 11.50 because, you know, I was too distracted. So what Portia told me was that, you know what, well, you should get stuff done during the week. So if it's due on a Friday, don't wait on a Friday. You could get it done on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, so that when that deadline comes up, you're relaxing, you're chilling. Another thing is, if you come on a complicated problem, talk to your professors. Office hours are there for a reason, so go to your professor, ask them, "Yo, number seven is killing me right now. Can you please help me?" And then, you know, they're gonna be like, "Okay, yeah, a lot of people are having problems. Here's how to do it. Just go to your professors, and then they'll help you solve the problem, because that's what they're there for—to help you solve problems. Wow. So main thing: go to your professors and get your get your homework projects and quiz online, quizzes, whatever you're taking. Get them done throughout the week and don't wait to the last second. Wow, appreciate you.
1: I I would like you to all give yourselves a round of applause for the wisdom. Um, I think before we officially get started, one thing for you to know, the gentleman here mentioned going to your professors, one hidden resource as it relates to doing better is talking to your peers as well. Because no one can tell you how to do like those who are in it with you, right? So, how often do you all get into groups and really talk about study strategies and how you're doing? In addition to you know what's happening on Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or what have you, but you can talk about these things as well. So, I really, I really think that you're you are your best resource. And we're gonna we do have a comment here. Um, yeah, and then we're then we're gonna get started officially. You can go, go to this microphone right here.
5: Okay. So, one thing that I wanted to add on, I'm from Montgomery College. I, I attend Montgomery College. And one thing I wanted to say to bounce off of what he said is um, I think that you can use different resources, like you can use YouTube for help with math. You can ask someone who knows better than you to clarify. Um, I just wanted to say that. To
1: I'll that's say awesome. Thank you. Let's give him a, a sure. round of applause as well. <laughs> so it's feel like we're primed, Mr. Wright. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. <laughs>
3: uh,
6: well, thank you all. Welcome. Uh, and... By all means, you know, hopefully, this is uh, something in which, you know, you take some tools with you, add to your tool belt, and you keep on moving with it. Um, this is going to be an open dialogue, so, you know, the microphone is there. So, about any, if you have a question about anything, please don't feel like you have to wait till the end. You could always ask, because you might have a very important question, but forget, and if you're not writing down, and you're like, oh, wow, I, did they touch on what it is that I asked? Did they not? I'm not certain. So... You know, we're gonna have fun in here today. So, um, So my name is William Rydell. I'm actually a student affairs and advising coordinator at the University of Pennsylvania in the, in the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Uh, I've done a lot, <laughs> a whole lot. Where do you swear to start? Yeah, I don't even know where to start. But, um, yeah, uh, and I thank you all for all coming out.
1: And I'm um, right up the street. My name is Carl Moore. Um, Dr. Carl S. Moore, but I just go by Carl. I work at UDC. I'm as one of the assistant provosts there. And um, it was really great to see you all here today.
3: Good afternoon. My name is Nichelle Grant. I work for Siemens Corporation. Um, and I've been there 20 years. I am the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion for Siemens. Um, I graduated from Michigan State University. And I look forward to talking to you about study skills
1: so yeah i'm sorry i guess these are my slides um i'm gonna show you all these lovely people again right these are some good pictures no i'm just kidding okay so i want you to take a look at this picture because this is what i use in my dissertation defense what i study my doctorate is in education um took a critical theorist lens and pretty much what that means is that you're you're not taking things for granted you're looking at how you can investigate the traditional ways of doing things so that we can do things in ways that benefit a broader range of people, because the traditional ways aren't aren't made to benefit any unique person in this room. It's made to benefit a certain type of individual um, of a certain uh, background and lifestyle, which means that eventually education is only going to be for the, as you can see right here, the monkey, right? If it says for a fair selection, everybody has to, you know, take the same exam climb that tree. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with the intelligence, right? They can also still be very intelligent, but if from the very beginning, you have to climb the tree to show how intelligent you are, you have to study how to climb the tree in that way, then you're already doing from the beginning, right? So this is really important for you as it relates to um, studying smart, um, studying less. Because if we're thinking about the education system we're in, your mind is so important how you're approaching it versus thinking that you are the learner that can't do it. Right. How about thinking about the mechanisms in which they are using may not necessarily match up to what you naturally do. And maybe you may have to climb the tree. Right. But sometimes it's not the case that you have to climb the tree. Right. Sometimes the case that you need to know how to explain. Right. Or you can work with others to do it. And I think that with education, this is really important. So I challenge um, or invite, I don't, uh, I, I guess I have conversation through dialogue, educators in higher education um, on a daily basis. This is what I do. This is, you know, now you people say that I'm out here in these streets doing this or whatever. This is what I do on a daily basis because of you. Because I was the i was the learner. You know, I was able to learn. I know you all are able to learn this system. We all raised speaking English and um, some of us maybe not maybe a second language some of us may still even be ESL at the moment but it is something that the system is not made for unique individuals to succeed at the same rate as some other students it's just not built like that right Mm -hmm. but for you to think that your success is um, in the classroom is an indicator of your intelligence is not the right thinking it's like no I'm a genius the system may have not um, allowed my genius to show but it's a different mindset so first we want to invite you all to have a different mindset going into this because it's um it's it's because it's not as a popular of a conversation um especially in high school especially in in college it's like hey because when i was in college they said hey you got to learn how to teach yourself and you have to deal with it because this is what you need to do to get the degree And it wasn't a lot of this conversation about, oh, Carl, you're a genius, but, you know, the system, people weren't talking about that. Any questions about this? Very important. So I want you to take out a writing utensil, something to write with. (laughs) And I would like everybody to take one out. And how I'm going to know that everybody's ready to participate in this is you're going to actually have your writing utensil up in the air like this. You can put it up with, when you're ready to write. And, and, and if you are going to get tired of doing this, you can like rest your arm on something. But I'm going to wait till everyone has theirs up. I'm going to stand up and see. So I, I promise you that if you do this, um, you, you're here, so you kind of have to do it. But I promise you, if you do this, <laughs> the experience will be a, a good, a rewarding experience for you. So writing utensils up, do you, and, and you must also have something ready to write on, of course, as well. All right. So, does anybody see somebody around them that doesn't have writing utensils, Call them out. <laughs> <It's> like, just... <laughs> All right. So, you are going to have ten seconds. Hold your ten seconds. Don't start yet. And you're going to write exactly what you see there. You're going to write the words writing activity, but don't start yet. I like someone way in the back of the room. Someone from the back row to. Um, Spell writing activity for everybody just to make sure that at least the perth- f- person furthest back in the room, can someone from back th- there stand up and spell out what um, the word writing and activity for us really quick. Thank you, sir. Great. So now I've verified that everyone can see it. Can anyone not see it? Great. So you're gonna have 10 seconds to write writing you activity to the best of your ability on the count of three, one, two, three, and go and stop. All right. So now I like you to Take your writing utensil and I like you to put it in your other hand. Oh, oh. <laughs> You have 10 seconds again to write this. And it's weird because I would do so much I like have the clock ticking in my head. When I say go on, on one, two, three, and go, and you're gonna write the same thing. And stop. Okay, what you, <laughs> what you just experienced is what it's like. To know something, right? You you clearly knew it. I verified it. None of y'all didn't tell me you didn't know it. To know something and then use your less dominant means of communicating that back. Does that make sense? So I don't. When people, when I used to be an advisor, when I work with folks, that it's like, no, I think you're a genius. I need you to catch up and catch up to where I know that you are. It's the mechanism by which they're retrieving what you know and not always what you know. Because I know that you know a a lot more than you can even explain. Even like I have a a two-year-old and even babies know a lot more but their communication isn't there, right? And we're not retrieving it for them in a right way and even sometimes in these educational settings. So this activity is to show you that your capabilities often extend beyond the retrieval mechanism, the assessment, the evaluation tool. And it's motivational for you to know, okay, it's just a matter of me catching up with that and getting practice, maybe using my less dominant hand, right? Because what would happen if you used your, the hand that you wrote with your second time like all, every, all day, every day for like a year? Do you think you would have done a little better? Yeah. So sometimes you may need to work on that, but sometimes it may not necessarily be the case. You may not have had a chance, but that's what you're dealing with when we're talking about a performance on an exam or a test or what have you, versus you being smart or not. So just a few things to show you. So we want you to develop a learner centered mindset, because what we know from brain research now is that no one's smart and no one's dumb. We don't we don't. That's old school thinking. And some of us may still think that. But we are we are products of accumulated information, right, like computers and how it is retrieved is how we are seen or rendered as smart or not smart. So you can't feel like, oh, I'm smarter to these other people or, you know, I'm dumber than these other people or what have you. You can feel like, OK, relative to the information that I have stored in my mental computer and society, when it retrieves it from me, I am able to spit it out better or, or, or output it better because of the mechanisms of retrieval. Or I'm not able to do that so much well because of the mechanisms of retrieval. But we do know that the information that is going in is going in in a certain way. We talk about retention, long-term retention for your computer, how far it's stored. And to you, like we all have cell phones, like if it's gonna, your memory is gonna wipe or whatever, we're talking about that a little later. But we all have brains that are getting smarter. Your neural pathways up until you're like, well into your elder years, they're getting stronger. So everyone can know that I can get smart because that in itself is a neural pathway. If you think, oh, I'm not smart, that right there limits one's ability to even absorb information. But if you realize that, wow, I have a lot more going on in my brain than I thought, it's a matter of how it's being retrieved, that right there makes you that much more likely to succeed. Any questions about that? Really important. So we want you to have a a mindset that recognizes that you can do, and not just surface level, I can do anything, because people that tell you you can do anything are lying to you. Um, It's you can do anything if you're willing to put the time in, right? And if you're willing to have the right mindset, not just by thinking you can do it, but by the action that accompanies it. So you can see this slide here, I can learn anything I want to. When I'm frustrated, I persevere. You see an obstacle, you see it as an opportunity to challenge, to level up, as you were talking about earlier, versus seeing the obstacle as a, as a confirmation of stuff that's not true. Because if anyone said in here, anyone, no one is smart, then it's like not even a, sm- a, a smart statement, <laughs> right? To say that some people are smart and some people are dumb. Really important for you and even even your peers and folks that you're actually going to be working with. So these books this is my last slide before I turn it over. These books are ones that I'm not, you know, in our education circles in higher ed. We're always like, oh, I read these books. And then most of the people, folks don't actually really read them. They're like doing audio books nowadays. So i want to let you all know that's like a life hack a little bit. <laughs> folks aren't like reading books all the time, but it does strengthen your brain muscles when you are actually reading, because the art of reading is an exercise in itself. So if you are, um, if you're welcome to the the, um, opportunity to actually read these books, it'll change your life. But what they, I've extracted the information from these books and I put them down here. Very simple for you to remember. Learning is sweet. That's it. And this is something I borrowed from one of my colleagues. Sleep, water, exercise, eating. You are not a robot. (laughs) You are a human. And in human form, this is what fuel you need to learn better because of what these books are talking about from the mindset to brain rules to the neuroscience the new science of learning is that people you could study like like i was saying earlier for five hours and not get as much accomplished if you are a well-rested studying for one hour i come into work every morning really early to those two hours i'm more productive than the entire rest of the day when i get my sleep right when my little people aren't keeping me up this is what we're talking about study smarter study less because it's not a a matter of just, oh, I'm in a library. I used to think I was cool as I was in a library. Oh, I'm in a library. I used to be in there forever. I wasn't learning anything or doing anything as much as I was doing if I were to have those times dedicated, well-rested, well-nourished, because you're not a computer. So it's like fitness. Those one who work out, right? If you do it, you get the benefit. And there's no one um, more in charge of that than you yourself. So what we're asking you to do with this study smart study less is like know thyself is the an ancient African, um, you know, kind of saying proverb, there's a lot more to it, but the best thing that you can know as far as knowledge is you, right? What, what, what situations and spaces you learn better in, um, what types of information you like to learn. One of the things I learned in college was that if I teach somebody something, I'm not much more likely to never forget it. If I teach them right after I learn it, that's what I learned about me. And it even worse to this day, and I'm almost 40. So like this is like from age, you know, whatever to now. I don't know if that's old or not, but, you know, it's like I know if I teach someone something, I'm that much more likely to learn it. Yes, sir. It's to teach it. Right. Absolutely. And because you're if you're le- and if you're learning it like you're about to teach it, you're learning it a little different than just like passively. So hopefully you all are thinking I'm going to teach one person right after this. So um, these other pieces about complementing your instructional approach, and I'm going to try to speed because I want to make sure that my co- honor my colleagues as far as our time. If you are in the classroom from now in high school or if you are in college, there it is no excuse for you to say, the teacher didn't teach me well. Because although there are folks like us that are trying to work in the, you know, in the, in the trenches um, to better higher education in uh, K through 12 or C through uh, 16 actually, we know that you have a little bit of accountability as well or a lot of accountability so you can complement whatever you're learning by your environment the city that you're in right how can you find and i'm pretty sure if you ask your instructors or your teachers they'll let you know how does this show up where i'm at where i live help me understand what can i do and right there experiential learning you all can google it it's something that's really taking off watching movies youtube netflix there i guarantee you whatever subject you're learning there is something online about it that can help you learn it just as uh the uh, young lady said earlier. Graphic organizers, some of you may be more so, okay, let me write this out and let me draw it out and sketch it, and then you can kind of situate the information in front of you. Uh, and um, gamification, I have a game to learn Spanish because I'm trying to yo necesito más I have a little bit, you know, my Duolingo is working a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I need to, yo, that's Cito, um, aprender mas palabras. I don't know a lot of words. So ga- that's the gamification. same thing for you, right? That's the gamification. That's my phone It's, it's giving me that dopamine release and all that good stuff. So oh, yeah. gamify. And this last thing, as I mentioned before, teaching it to someone else. So these are things that you have that you can store and use, and I guarantee you, it can level you up as we were talking about earlier. And the last slide, um, this comes from some research for those of you who are you know, you never know what your audience is, those folks who want to go deep diving into the research. So it's just visual, auditory, kinesthetic, read, write. Um, and these are the ways in which if you don't know exactly your learning orientation, we don't have learning styles, per se. Right. We have certain ways that we learn better, maybe in different contexts. It's not like we just have one style. They've actually debunked that. And you may hear learning styles. You are a complex, dynamic learner. And it may be at different periods and spaces that you learn differently. But to really touch on all of these is actually the smarter thing, right? So I have the, you know, a visual, I have an auditory means I have a way in which I'm gonna be able to feel that in my body. And um, it's just basically saying that multiple means of representing the information is where it's at. As long as you represent whatever is taught to you in another way that wasn't taught to you in that way, or you can say, okay, they covered video, blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna add this, you're doing good. And that's the way studying should be, not necessarily repeating, um, because it'll help you study smarter and not necessarily harder.
6: So I just want to make sure, uh, take the to climb another room. So we have both college and high school students combined, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, just want to double check that. Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, they're military.
6: Awesome. Okay, thank you. Thank you, sir, for, your, you service. for your service. So um, in studying, you have to know yourself best. You have to know if you're a day person or if you're a night owl. If you're someone who, you know, my college students, if you are like, you know what, let me start my classes at 10 o'clock because the first two hours I need to work out and I need to go eat, then that's how you need to start your day. If you are someone where you're saying, I'm sleeping in until 12 and I'm not taking a class until one o'clock, okay, great, have at it. That's um, not me though. <laughs> um, and then you, you have to figure out from there and then move on. Now, my high school students, unfortunately, y'all are not granted the opportunity to say, I'm going to take a class at 10 o'clock because there's a certain bell that you have to answer to. But the one benefit that you do have is that within those about six to seven hours that you may be in school, you can determine how am I going to spend the time after school? Because you have those that will say, hey, I'm going to take an hour break because I've been in school all day. And next thing you know, I'm maybe I'm just going to going on uh, some sort of social media outlet, or I'm going to play a game real quick, or I'm gonna eat something and then get the items to fall asleep and wake up at six o'clock and it's like, oh crap, I didn't start my homework yet. So <laughs> I was speaking somebody's life into existence, I'm
3: sorry.
6: Um, so you have to know what time of day best suits you. I was a student athlete in college. So for me, we had something called um, sunrise runs. So our coach would make us get up in the morning before the sun came up, and he would make us run about seven miles per day, and we would watch the sun rise. (laughs) I ran track, I was a sprinter. I'm a graduate of Lincoln University. So literally, uh, that set the precedence of how my day was going to move. So I knew I would go back, shower, eat breakfast, and I wanted eight o'clock classes. So for all four years, I made sure I had an eight o'clock class because I wanted to be done by three, knowing I had practice at four, knowing I'll be done by six, and knowing that I may have other assignments that I have to get to. So you have to know what time of day works best for you. I think you start there. And then also, do we know when to shut it off? 10 o'clock, <laughs> nine? When you start when yawning, you start yawning. <laughs> I'm, I, I, come, we're gonna come back to that. Okay, we're gonna pin that, I'm gonna come back to that when you start yawning, seriously. Um, you have to know when actually you're not absorbing anything else. Because after a certain point in time, your brain is like a sponge. You're gonna absorb as, until it's completely saturated. Now I want y'all to go home and take a sponge that's completely saturated, stick it back into a bucket of water and see if it's gonna absorb anything else. It will not, mm. that is you. You have to know when to say, "Hey, guess what? I'm cooked. I need to wring myself out, and I need to try this all over again." In all honesty, if you're going to study for for every hour of studying, at least the studies have shown you should take a 10-minute break. I didn't say I didn't take 10 minutes. I would take 15 because I know I would need an extra five minutes just to get myself prepared to go back into whatever it is I was working on. So would, for every 45 minutes of study time, I would give myself a 15-minute break. And literally, those fifteen minutes, my break was doing the complete opposite of whatever it is that I am encountering. Calculus was so much fun. Nobody ever said we ain't gonna talk about that. That was trauma. <laughs> you know, that was that was very traumatic. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I took up, I took up the calc two, up the calc two, and I had enough. I said, "Oh, I'm out. Tap me out." Um, so you so you have to know when to say when so if you're if you're going to start your day early that means in the evening as far as as much energy that you think you may have you have to know when to cut it off so if 10 o'clock is the time that you may want to do so then fine don't push it until 12 it's not going to be there you're going to find yourself reading the same lines over and over and over and over again and you're absolutely absorbing. i mean absorbing nothing new and then what settings do you work best in So when I was an undergrad, my brother and I both went to the same school, we're a year apart, a year and a half apart. So I knew better than to go into the library at four o'clock during when it wasn't when there wasn't track season for him to be in there, because he's going to talk and we're going to goof around. I'm not going to get any work done. Now we had two separate rooms because we didn't want to live together. We're like, nah, we don't want that. Do that at home. But for me, I knew that if I'm going to the library, I'm going to find the most remote spot where nobody can find me. And when I was in high school, I immediately did my homework when I came home because nobody was home. The house was completely quiet, and I just had to be tempted because you know I'm dating myself. There, we didn't have cell phones in high school, so I knew to turn the ringer off on my landline. Got in trouble quite often because my mom was like, "Are you home?" Yes. Why didn't you answer the phone? But that's neither here nor there. But still. Um, I would do that because I know I would be most productive, because I I exert, you have to to think about, if you're sleeping for about eight to 10 hours, if, that's why I said (laughs) if, (laughs) you're exerting how much energy during the day, like how, has anybody ever just calculated how long you're actually up and functioning just during a day's time? For about 14 hours, somebody said, roughly, okay. So eight hours of sleep, you're exerting yourself for 14 hours, and then you're gonna to try to push yourself for another four hours, so let's say 18 hours. The math isn't adding up. You're in a deficit at this point in time, correct? So then, like I said, you have to know when to cut that off. Also, um, do you study best in groups or alone? Now, this is the thing. Groups. Now, here, here's the thing here. Um, I have any engineers in here okay so my engineers just just a few we only have just a few engineers my engineers we have a senior design project correct so which means that's a group work right and most times don't we learn from our 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 compadres if we're not goofing off if we're not so if i know it's a big if um but If there's certain things that you know you really need to put the extra work in on, then you do that work. You do the groundwork yourself. You have that alone time. You carve that time out in your day during the week. If you know two hours each day, I'm going to spend alone reviewing something. It doesn't have to be two hours straight. It could be an hour here, an hour there.
0: You're listening to Study Smart, Study Less. Improving your study skills. A professional development seminar featuring William Wright L., Dr. Carl Moore, and Michelle Grant. Brought to you by the Global Catalyst for Change, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.
6: Yes, I do consider homework at study time because homework you're reviewing what you went over during class for some they're actually making note cards so if you're actually rewriting the notes that you took in class you are actually teaching yourself again so which means now you'll be able to teach somebody else I'm a proponent of note cards I would have them in my pocket and I would use that anywhere walking across campus sitting and waiting for class to start bus ride, track meets, especially track meets if we're flying on an airplane. So next thing you know, I study three subjects within a matter of one hour because of repetition, anything that I had to memorize. So, but like, uh, um, I digress, as I was saying, if you are going to need that alone time, schedule that in, pencil that in. You know, you, you have to be organized in order to realize what your potential will be. And then you come to your group and you, uh, and you say, hey, look, this is what I, this is where I was struggling with and this is what I uncovered, um, you know. Is anybody, did anybody else, you know, was anybody else stumbling in, in these areas. So if you're somebody who does not learn well alone at all because you need your peers to reteach you, because sometimes the methodology in which your professors are teaching or, or teachers are, you know, giving you the information does not work, then. You know, most learning takes place outside the classroom, especially in college. I got through college because of my peers, literally. And then the other thing is, do you procrastinate or cram, as I put in very large, in all caps? (laughs) We all have crammed at some point in time in our life, and how well has that worked out? It's 50 50. It's a coin toss. So okay. I don't even, give, I wouldn't
1: even give it that much.
6: Wow. She, uh, if everybody did not hear the, uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you wrote an essay in the car ride for 45 minutes and that was one of the best grades that you got. That is wow. Okay. We there might need anomalies. to talk. Anomalies
1: happen. Yeah, there
6: are anomalies. There are outliers to anything, <laughs> but, um, the question is, why do we procrastinate? Motivation, waiting, priorities, what else? Didn't plan ahead. Yeah. I like your explanation. I like, I like everybody's answers, but most times we procrastinate because everybody's correct because we're fearful of what this is going to require of us. What do we have to expel? You know, what do we have to give over of ourselves To get beyond whatever the the subject is. I, 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 you know, transparency here, because we're in a safe tree right here, right? This is a safe space. So, uh, my first semester of calculus, I was failing all the way up until midterms. And this is me studying three hours a night. (laughs) Failing. I have no idea what happened, what just something clicked, and by midterms, I got it. I understood everything that I was doing. I ended up passing the class with like a, I think like a C plus because I got A's on everything else. Afterwards, And my professor was asking where was this William that showed up in, you know, the first half of the class. Uh, I don't know if she, I don't know if she thought I was cheating. I was putting in work, I, I, and I just told her. I said, I don't know. I just, it, it, it just clicked, and then it was also too the transition of me going from being a high school student to a college student. And me having to learn to teach myself because mm-hmm. in high school really didn't do that all too well but in college i understood and my older sister will often say you'll get it when you get it and i never understood what she meant by that i'm like okay whatever um so you have to be willing to move beyond that comfort zone in that comfort zone i was comfortable just putting in maybe 40 minutes an hour for Calc and then that was it. And then maybe asking one of my peers for assistance and then going to office hours maybe one day out the week. But when I saw what my midterm grade looked like and I never failed anything a day in my life, I said, oh no, we're, this, this, this isn't good. And being a student athlete, I'm ultra competitive because I'm in competition with myself. I had to change my routine. I had to get outside my comfort zone of what I already knew and I started asking my peers, how do you prepare? How do you plan? How do you manage your time? What do you do that works best for you? And I took from seven different people and used it for my own benefit. And I thanked them. And when I graduated, I went to them and shook each and every last one of their hands and said, y'all got me through college. you are like, what did we do? I said, we'll, we'll talk about it over dinner. So do not be afraid to ask your peers, hey, what do you, what do, you do to get over this? Because your strength is somebody's weakness, and somebody's weakness is your strength, vice versa. You know, I said that wrong, but oh well, y'all got the point. <laughs> so, this is a rule of thumb for my college students. I just want to know for, uh, for, I mean, I know the, the, the formula is up there. How many of you actually adhere to this? Wow, I see one hand, I see two, two, two three. three, four. Now, I put this slide in here because this is just a rule of thumb that has been in existence for quite some time. But studies have shown lately that average students spend 17 hours per week studying. 17, because there are gonna be those classes where it just does not require you know, the amount of hours. There's gonna be material that it just clicks and you get it. And then there's gonna be classes where you're in office hours every day, you have a tutor, you're in groups, study groups with everyone, and you're trying to find a way to make it work. So there is no one set formula that's going to work for every single person. It just doesn't happen that way. So you know, it it is a rule of thumb, but it's a rule of thumb for some, but not all. And as the young lady said for her, that just wasn't happening. 30 to 40 hours is a full-time job and as it says the last the last uh, point 45 to 60 hours well that's working overtime which means that's time and a half so y'all might want to you know <laughs> y'all might want to check in on that <laughs> yeah get you get my money exactly so the the, the 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 idea of time management or managing your time is something which we all learn through trial and error at some point. Yes, I saw your hand up. Yes. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you could hear um, the, the gentleman. He said his um, his calculus professor had um, shared the way that he was able to get through was he would write information on cue cards and look at it throughout the day. Now, let's think about it here. If we're standing in line for, um, you know, the the, the 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 craze of the chicken sandwiches again, which some of those lines were like <laughs> two three hours. <laughs> You can study for three classes, waiting for one of those sandwiches. But if you are, if you're sitting and you're eating lunch, you're by yourself, you could actually go through something in 15 minutes and next thing you know, you'd be like, wow, how did I absorb this so fast? Because short periods of time does add up. If you take, if, if you know that you have a, a, a calc midterm, and you have to go back through all the information through the first half of the semester. We're not gonna sit there and say, I'm gonna knock this thing out in, in, in four or five hours. We break this down in manageable chunks. You're not gonna take a three pound steak and say, I'm gonna eat it all in one setting. You're gonna have little small nibblets and you might have to come back to it the next day. You have to break everything down in small, manageable pieces. Again, like I said, there's no magic formula for studying. It's knowing who it is that you are. And lastly, there's four strategies that works for anyone. Um, You want to try your best not to miss class. Life is going to happen. It really is. My college students, you know, you were living in... uh, Apartments, dorms, wherever we're living, and then next thing you know, if one person gets sick, hey, here we go. We're just we're just sharing the love. That's all we're doing. <laughs> just, we're sharing the love. And so with that, it's always I always made sure I had two to three people in every class that I took that I could depend on to get notes. I really would. You know, people people are like, Well, why are you why do you have so many? Because everybody's note taking styles are going to be different and I know how I learn best and I've had a class with my brother then I wouldn't ask anybody because I he and I are very similar so it's like all right let me get your notebook let me see your notes no then there's that whole thing but uh, um he, he wanted food that's all that was he just wanted food um, so you want to try to limit as much as that now my high school students as far as missing class I know it's going to be It'll be a little bit different, but you can also still, you know, try to apply that asking your, your you know, having at least two friends, maybe three, and then emailing your teacher directly. Um, I know different teachers use different uh, media, media devices to post notes, post lectures, whatever it may be. But that is the easiest way to catch up on any missed information. And then manage your time wisely. If you take a look at what your semester or year is looking like, literally get a calendar for some you might need to use a phone a wall calendar google calendar google calendars or google calendar is amazing i absolutely love it that's fair hey, I, we, we used it on the way over here got the notification on my phone as we were walking over like hey conference today so you put in there like your if your syllabi as soon as you get that as soon as you get your syllabi put everything in your calendar and so that way you can look at it and you have it all mapped out even if you want to get color coded that, that, that's for those people who are really good at time management you use that, use all of your devices, set alarms in your phone for when, hey, this is when I'm going to 15 minutes before class. Okay. But most importantly, and this is for everybody, set an alarm for when you need to go to bed. As Dr. Moore said, you need your sleep. most important thing. I'm telling you right now, you're not going into a final. Thinking you're gonna be at your best off of three hours of sleep. It just doesn't work. You, you're gonna find yourself with your mind wandering and you're gonna be looking at, um, what did I eat last night? Why am I so hungry? 15 minutes passed already and I'm not even halfway done. Oh God. Go to sleep. Right now I have two alarms set in my phone. They're a half hour apart. All depends upon, I have four children, depends upon which child is fighting sleep. Usually it's my two-year-old. She is my boss. I'm surprised my phone has not rung saying, where's daddy right now? <laughs> so I have an alarm in there for me to go to sleep at 10 o'clock, 10.30. It's take you behind to bed. <laughs> That's,
1: what it says
6: on the That's exactly what it says on the alarm. <laughs> I, like, I labeled it that. Mine,
1: mine says your life depends on it. Your you life know? depends <laughs> on it. <laughs> it's funny the same strategy.
6: Because if you do not know when to actually go to sleep, you're in trouble. You you, you really are, you're gonna hurt yourself. And then also, use office hours, meet with your teachers and everything of that nature, and then work with classmates. As much as we may like working alone, I promise you, nobody makes it in this world alone. We all get to where we have gotten to as a result of the help of someone else. And I would say lastly, put your alarm clock on the other side of the room. It makes you get up and walk, (laughs) put it by the light. So that way you put it across the room, turn the light on And then now you're angry, but you're awake.
3: (laughs) 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 All right. You have a question? Go ahead.
5: Hello. Hello. Hi. Okay, so personally, when you said like put everything in your phone, I'm the type of person to see the notification and just ignore it.
7: So what do I do like?
6: put a second one in
7: I'll still ignore it
6: put see you have to do stuff that irritates you so then that way you're mad at yourself and you have to you have to answer it or respond to it some way shape form or fashion. I'll put a notification so that way it pops up on my my calendar then I will put a notification in so that I'll put I'll set an alarm that will pop up maybe 10 or 15 minutes later. And then I'll set a third one if I'm being stubborn about something, especially if it's a project, I know I have a deadline I have to, I have to work on. I will do that. Right now I have at least 15 alarms in my phone just for one day. Ooh. Because I don't wanna miss anything. I wanna make sure I optimize on my time. And also, you know, it's, it's a way for me to be able to set many goals for each day.
1: And, and Google Digital Detox. Because it also means you're desensitized by your phone. And the more you detox, the more sensitive you'll be to your phone and the more likely to work. So just Google that later. It's just a longer conversation.
3: I'm
0: going to talk to you later. Yeah,
1: because you're decent, people become desensitized by using it too much. Mm-hmm. So you have to get away from it so that then it actually works. So yeah, that's just I'll, an indication that you are like need a, de- a detox. Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so I'm the type of person who can't write that on their phones. Like I tried writing like kind of like I make my plans for the week as a to-do list Mm -hmm. even with stuff that you don't really have to think about like self-care stuff but I have to write them out I can't put it on my phone because I'll forget about it but how can I make it a habit to look back on it because it works for me to write it down and remember that I oh I have this big book but like sometimes like I'll do it for a week and then I'll forget so
6: Take a picture of it and make it your screensaver on your phone.
7: Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
4: digital, digital, yeah, you
6: got
1: what Dr. Moore said.
6: It's
7: not just you. So I had two suggestions. One is a book <laughs> called "168 Hours," which is a good Ooh, yeah, yeah. book that talks about time management. I'm sure you all are familiar with it, but it goes into how do we spend. 168 hours in seven in seven days in a week what do you actually spend doing it it's a really good book where they use uh 168 hours and they go through different case studies of very high performing people how do they balance family with professional um, life students how do you make time to do all the things that you should be doing and want to be doing and then the second suggestion was about something that you all said um, with how to go speak and talk to professors I know when I first started college, I was like, "Well, what do I go talk to y'all about?" And then someone gave me a suggestion to take my study guides that I made for myself. Go ask your professors: Is there anything missing off of this study guide? It, it. So I know it. that I'm that yeah. I'm studying the correct information. Is there anything here that I need to be studying that's going to be on the exam that I need to pay, pay, pay closer attention to? You know, so that you're not wasting your time.
1: I just want to. All kinds of claps for that because that actually helps in the work world as well because you're gonna have to verify information, which is what we're about to get into. So I just just wanted to clap, snap, and clap for
6: that. Oh, yeah. That's excellent.
3: I don't know, but a lot of engineering students like we make cheat sheets too. So you know, um, you can ask your professors too, like um, if something missing on your cheat sheet. Also helpful.
6: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Awesome. Well, at some point, somebody's gonna say to you, "Congratulations." You graduated, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we want to hear, right? You got that apartment. You got the job. You got the car. You're, you're, you're doing good, right? You got the degree, right? You know your engineering, in this case, whatever degree you decide to go after. As you're working on the job, though, then you get a new assignment. <laughs> yep. What are you going to do? It's an assignment where you know the engineering part, but the subject matter itself, you don't know at all. This is real world. When you get ready to start working, there's expectations of you to be able to be knowledgeable, to be up on the latest and greatest information about your field, about what the company's doing, about things that you never thought you'd be studying for. I remember, if you remember, I said I've been with Siemens 20 years, But I remember from day one having to continue to use my study skills I used in college and high school Mm -hmm. over and over again in order to get through assignments that I had for my company. Mm -hmm. I've had to learn things that have to do with federal law. I'm not even a lawyer or anything, but I had to know it and learn it and apply it to my job in order to teach others. How was I going to do that? I had to have assignments that had allowed me to learn technical skills, right? I have a science background, I have a zoology degree, but then I went on to my master's degree in how to teach uh, technical information over the web. And when I put those things together and I worked for Siemens, they were looking for someone to teach laboratory equipment. And so how do I put all that together and understand all the acronyms of my company? all the different markets of our customers that are coming in, I rely back on my study skills. I mean, even last week I, w- I got post-it notes everywhere going, okay, I gotta learn that, I gotta learn that because as I'm looking at it day in, day out, I'm just re- reiterating it and ingraining it into my rhetoric, right? I'm using things that allow me to be good at the job that I'm at. So my, my baseline message to you is, Just because you're studying now, you're gonna continue studying, continue studying throughout your careers. So there's three things that I want you to know about study skills after college. One is practicing good study skills now, whether you're in high school or whether you're in college, will help you later in life. Those note cards, Practicing in front of someone, memorization, that extra reading, it's better to know more than you need to know so that you understand what you're doing when you get to that job and how you fit into that bigger picture. Understand where the company's going and where you can contribute. The employer, the employer want people to, wants people to know things that are new and apply it to their learning. They're going to throw stuff at you. You go, I have no idea what that is. That's where those Googles come in right YouTube videos all those different things find experts in the field call them up email them, read books. All of that comes in handy because what you're going to do is apply it to what you're being asked to do in the assignment and third decide now that you're going to be a lifelong learner right. Uh, My daughter, she's 20, she's at FAMU and she's always to my mom, I'm studying, blah, blah, blah. Are you studying? Are you getting those hours? I sent her that slide, by the way, William. She's like, oh, that's false. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get that many hours in. (laughs) Um, And so um, really make sure that you are really applying your study skills now. Because the better you can apply them, the quicker you'll be able to apply them when you get get to your job. Like I said, I apply them all the time in the current job, and I've been in the industry a long time, right? Been with Siemens twenty years, but I'm older than that. Mm-hmm. And I really kind of look, think back to, well, how do I get through all those different assignments, all those different challenges? And instead of kind of freaking out about it, and going, "Oh my God, what am I going to do?" I rely back on, "Oh, wait a minute." It's a new subject, let me try take my time, understand what it is, know who the expertise is, how do I apply some of the learnings that I have, and really those study skills of writing the information down, teaching it to someone else, uh, making sure that I'm understanding what my scope of the assignment is, how does it fit, again, into that bigger picture because your study skills are forever. Nobody can really take that away from you. And you want to be able to use them over and over again. It can apply to your job. It can apply for things you're doing with your family. It can apply in your hobbies that you're doing. You want to learn something new, learn Spanish, right? (laughs) You are really applying those skills. And the more you practice it now, the easier it'll be when you get your job. And so I really want to impress upon you that you know we're talking about study skills now and how you can hone in on them now, and it's really great to get practice now because you will use them and become that lifelong learner later.
1: I was just thinking, I wish I
3: had this session when I was <laughs> I heard you say that when I was younger. Yeah. yeah. So we want to open up for some more questions. Yeah. If we got yes. some
6: more time. Yes. Any questions? If please, by all means you come up to the microphone and.
2: Hi, my name is Serena, and I'm a freshman at Indiana University, and <laughs> my question is. About the alarm at night. So my roommate, <laughs> she's great, <laughs> but she stays up until like two every single night. And she's quiet, but it's like the lights. I try to go to sleep early, but then she stays up late. So what are some tips on how to try to get her to respect?
7: I guess that I want to sleep earlier. I'll let
1: well I don't I was just knee-jerk response. Um the thing that we all know in life is that you only can control yourself, right? right? You can't control other people, so it's a lot of controlling yourself. So my mind automatically went to sleep mask, earplugs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are probably some other strategies for controlling her <laughs> that, <laughs> that I can learn from as well, but I don't, you know. So.
6: Do, um, I would say, uh, is it possible that like you can get like a stand-up lamp so that way like, the overhead lights aren't on and maybe it has a shade over it so it's it's a little softer? So um, she's still able to get work done or whatever she's doing. And then it doesn't disturb your sleep as much. Um, A softer light is a lot easier to deal with than something like this being over you and you're trying to sleep. Um, When I had a roommate, I I went out and bought a lamp. And one night, because I knew I had to get up and do a sunrise run, turn the light off, turn the lamp on, and jump back into bed. Her roommate got it, like, you know what? I'll do this from now on in because I just was too tired to say anything. I, I didn't have it in me, I couldn't muster anything. I really couldn't, so that was the best thing I could come up with. Did
4: you growl?
6: Did I growl? I may, I may have growled. I may have, mm, I may have did something, I may have, but I know no words came out of my mouth. Thank
5: you. Um, my question is directed to you. Okay, I also run track, and I feel like. To, to be honest, that's the hardest sport when it comes to practice. Mm-hmm. So how you said your schedule was to have a class that ends at three but practice at four. To me, an hour to rest and you know, have me time before practice is not enough. So how would you say I should balance going into college? How will I balance my time between practice and my school?
6: Um, that hour, I literally would find myself doing something that would ever make me happy in that moment if it was, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would be shooting, um, I'd be in the gym shooting basketball an hour before practice. People are like, why are you doing that? Because I love basketball. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you play basketball in high school? I did, but I stopped growing. So you know, I had to find find another sport. (laughs) That was good, but hey, you know, height wasn't on my side. Um, So I would actually do whatever it is that just brought me joy. And sometimes it would just be listening to music. and. I would sit in my room and listen to music and and just chill out before I, as long as I was in a good mood before I went to practice, I was able to do my best in practice. If I did not, it was grueling and all I was doing is thinking to myself, when is it over? And then it would be that much worse. And I hated it, especially on the days when our, my coach would say, we have a sold out concert. And I said, I didn't buy a ticket because it was a workout that we, was, we were going to be running nonstop because somebody did something. It was a punishment, so you have to do stuff that just makes you happy. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Hello, um, my name is Michelle Osley, and I'm a sophomore at Indiana University. And my question is, how do you, like, so my school is very research-based, mm-hmm. so they hire researchers, and like, they might not necessarily care about teaching students, honestly. So how do you approach people like that? You know, I'm basically talking about my chemistry professor. He's like very, you know, research-based. Like how do you approach him in like office hours and things like that?
1: Um, is there a TA for the class as well or no?
5: Yes, but she's a graduate student. So, I mean, she has time for us. But like the, the school, I am mean, at the class I'm in is like 500 people. So, you know, she can only do so much. So I was wondering, like, how do you like? Kind go and talk to people
1: like that. You know, no, go
3: ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was good. gonna <laughs> say the the,
1: in, the inconvenient truth is that it is very common, especially at research one institutions, that teacher faculty members are hired to research and teaching is secondary because of mm-hmm. like their promotion and tenure, their job. That's like part of what I do um, in terms of working with faculty. Um, so I would say I don't know if I'm approaching. The goal is to learn right in the class right yeah
5: just how to approach him like how to ask questions sometimes i don't know he
1: kind of makes you
5: think you should
1: know this or yeah i think that what you're asking is a really good question for everyone because everyone sometimes because a person doesn't have the um training and the even it's an intelligence thing as well to be able to break things down for you they'll make it seem like you're the problem yeah so i understand where you're coming from and that's what we do um in faculty development and higher ed teach teachers how to teach i think it's more so of knowing who to go to you may not necessarily have to c- can go to that person you can't change them remember my thing i was saying earlier you can't change people just yourself maybe more so going to the ta it may be um if you have friends that have a really cool chemistry professor in the future being able to go to their office hours because they're shared but i but not to get that person off the hook i would say that um you being efficient um, in your communication, sometimes coming with something in writing, this is, and then letting them read it, because that's worked for me with those types of individuals, and having them be able to respond to that, like email, sometimes I would actually even print the email, and actually I do it with some administrators now, Bring it, this is my question, you know, and then you can have someone help you word it or what have you to make sure, so I'll work with the TA if I was you, say, hey, this is my question, I want to make sure, if the TA can't answer it, then you go to Person, you see, that's just a little yeah. bit of a strategy, but I understand where you're coming from because the patience isn't always there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more about what you can do so you can be successful because that person, they're going to be them. But how can you do you the best way? Kind of thing.
3: I would add to that though is that um, it's it's all in what you communicate when you do sit down with that person, right? Mm-hmm. You sit down, you say, "I know we only have X time. This is what I want to accomplish." This is what I need from you, right? Right. So be clear about that and don't let them kind of go all the way off and then they eat up your time and you're like, we didn't even get to what I'm supposed to be talking about, right? So be be clear. Be clear when you make the appointment and be clear when you get to the appointment to make sure you guys are on the same page as to what we're trying to accomplish, right? And then prepare, right? Don't just go in there and, well, I wanted to talk to you, but I really didn't think about what I wanted to talk to you. You know, write down exactly what you want to ask them, verbatim. And say okay i got question number one and wait for your answer question number two right and so that there's some structure to the dialogue thank you You're
4: welcome. thank you um, hello so my name is akina Gorda from um cardozo trastem academy Hi. Hi. so i'm a junior next year. i'll be taking um ap calculus and i'm also a football player so what's one word of advice that could help me pull through the predicament you are in
6: um, In high school, um, I don't even think they teach trigonometry anymore, which is basically uh, like pre-calc. So, what I end up doing to manage my time and then also to make sure I I was doing the best I possibly could, uh, because I know after school you have practice, wait room, then possibly home. If you have a, um, if you're able to put in your schedule, because some schools allow it, some don't, a study hall session. Like it takes study hall. People were like, "No, but well, what's the use of that?" You get a lot of work done there. It makes life a whole lot easier when when you have to when you know you have only a certain amount of work to do after practice. Because after practice, you're tired, you're beat up, and you're hungry. You just want to go to sleep. So I, I, that's what got me through. It most certainly did. So I, I would. I mean, that's the best advice I can give you is to try to build in a study hall session your senior year, if you can. Thank you, sir. So. I I thank all of you for coming out. The one thing I want to leave you is with this. Keep this in mind, this is a dream that you are looking to fulfill, going to college, getting a degree and moving on with your life. But the other thing is when times get hard, by all means, do not, I mean, I repeat, do not forget why you are doing this because it's something that lives within your heart and you actually are fulfilling a legacy that you didn't even know that you had signed up for.
3: Don't give up. (laughs) Nice. Thank, Thank you all, guys. best of luck, love
0: light. Thank you for listening to Study Smart, Study Less, Improving Your Study Skills, a professional development seminar featuring adjunct professor at the University of Pennsylvania, William Wright L., Assistant Chief Academic Officer for the University of the District of Columbia, Dr. Carl Moore, and Head of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Siemens USA, Michelle Grant. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the BEA STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.bea.org. For college students, contact us at 410 410- 244-7101